It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to The Build-Up as we get you ready for today's game against the Arizona Coyotes. We're not going to waste any time. We are now joined by the TV play-by-play -play voice of the Arizona Coyotes. It is Matthew McConnell. Mr. McConnell, what's going on? How are you doing? Ted, great to talk to you again. Uh, just looking forward to this uh, this game tonight. Should be a lot of fun. I think it should be as we're looking at two teams that are maybe in different places of where they're trying to build themselves back up. And there's actually been a lot of buzz lately about the Coyotes, people talking about the team kind of turning a, a corner on where they have been. Like, where do you, like, what's your 30,000-foot view on where the team is right now up to what you've seen up to this point in the season? And then we can get into some of the more recent results. Sure, Ted. No, no problem at all. Uh, my thirty thousand foot view is they're better than they were last year uh, by a significant margin, in my opinion. Um, they continue along the the rebuild process. Uh, they have more prospects now than they had a year ago. They have more of that core. I think taking the next step, if you will. And, um, you know, it's going to take some time, but, but we've seen some pretty positive results. Uh, you know, last year they, they started out, they, they didn't have a win, I think, in their first 13 games. And, and they come in tonight, 9-13-4, and, and, you know, they're, they're very respectable. They've, I think the biggest area that I've seen, Ted, from, say, last year is just the improvement on the defensive side of the puck. Mm -hmm. they, they've been a lot better. You know, early on, yeah, they were giving up six goals a game, but but lately they've been getting the goaltending and they've, um, you know, they've just been smarter in the defensive end on a lot of nights. And I think that's helped them stick around in games. Yeah, the net mining was something I wanted to touch on because it's always such an easy point to to look at and say like well it's it's better but people kind of ignore it's like well it's not just the guy in front of the net like there is a lot more that goes into it it's just we know that this is what happens in sports when the you know when the pitcher gets up gives up a home run they zoom in on the pitcher when the goalie gives up a goal even though there were other defensive breakdowns that happened they zoomed in on the goalie but like you alluded to like the the improved defensive play and the net mining are having that impact on Arizona no question about it. I, you know, if if you look at if if you look at some of the numbers, um, and I'll just throw a couple out at you. Uh, goals against per game, they're they're giving up a little over three and a half a game, but some of that is skewed by you know giving up bushels of goals early on. But that's sixth, uh, sixth, sixth worst in the NHL. That that might not sound like a significant change, but when you look at it compared to last year, they were dead last. And and if you look at the goaltender that they've got, and he'll go tonight, Karel Vamelka, mm -hmm. um, he's eight, seven, and three on the season. His you know his goals against is just a little bit over three. But if 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 you dive into it a little further, look at his saves percentage, and and that that is really what tells the story. He's at a nine. 13 going into tonight and that that's pretty significant he's a you know it's a team that gives up a lot of shots they don't they don't shoot a lot but they've certainly seen the development of Carell and you know defensively 
they're you know they're 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 a little bit of everything you know you've got a good offensive pairing in Jacob Chikrin and Shane Gosses pairing Chikrin he's a point of game since he came back back in the lineup uh, you know he's first among D, uh, tied for first among defensemen and goals since the 23rd when he came back uh, in November he's sixth uh, tied for sixth among defensemen in points with nine since he came back so so you got a little bit of an offensive flair there but um Patrick Nemeth has been a surprise. He's been very good defensively. Josh Brown is another, not a household name, but he's a, a big right-handed shooting defenseman that's been good in his own end. So, you know, they're kind of ham and egg in it a little bit, but they've, you know, they've, they've made strides in this area. And, and, you know, hopefully we'll see some of that tonight. In including the the two recent results, getting those wins, what are you seeing going right in these games? Because obviously there's there's good fight going on, but when you're when you're at a team that's kind of working hard to get those wins, we see it with San Jose entirely clearly. Like we're able to point to what goes right because so often we see so many things go wrong. Yeah, you know what I, I think in the um, I, I guess in the fight and the battle and the compete. I think the Coyotes and the San Jose Sharks are very similar. They they both work hard, they both compete, uh, and at the same time they have those moments in games where um, you know they make a mistake and it can completely change the complexion of the game. I, you know we we've, we've seen a lot of that, um, but they they work extremely hard. Uh, they're a very good team in the offensive zone. Up until about a couple of games ago, they were number one in the NHL in terms of the fewest turnovers in the offensive zone. In the defensive zone, it's been different. They've they've been near the bottom in that category, but you know they're they're getting better, uh, marginally better as the season goes on. So uh, I would keep an eye on that certainly tonight and and see how that progresses along. Um, and then one point in at least in three of the last five like do you can this trend continue like do you think this team can continue to build steam as they get deeper and deeper into the season or do you not want to start looking at it that way and just start looking at it one game at a time well you know with with the arena situation and the fact that you know mullet arena they had to build the annex we we only had four home games up until the last home stand. So as it stands right now, the team has played six at home and they have played 20 on the road. And, and, and so, you know, you, you can look at it that way and say, okay, six, 11 and three with the heavy road schedule, that's not too bad. A lot of home games in the back half, but at the same time, it's a team building. And there's the other aspect of, you know, you want to really finish all that great. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I can guarantee you the, the coaches and the players, inside the locker room they want to win every night but uh you know is that the best case scenario when you're in the middle of a rebuild and would you really you know do you still want to be in the mix for a kid like Connor Bedard so that's you know you, you can debate that all you want um but but I, I I truly believe that they're making strides and I truly believe that they've got a a, a nice little core in place um you know Nick Schmaltz and you know Clayton Keller who had the hat trick mm -hmm. and the game winner in overtime the other night they're part of the core. Uh, so is Lawson Krauss and Christian Fisher. You look on the back end, they've got a terrific young uh, Swiss defenseman by the name of J.J. Moser. So they've got pieces. And not only that, they've got Logan Cooley at the University of Minnesota, who's going to be on Team USA's World Junior uh, Tournament, and a big kid in Winnipeg in the Western Hockey League, Connor Geeky. So so they've got, they've got pieces in place that I think can help them move forward not to mention they've got 18 draft picks in the first three rounds over the next three seasons. And that'll probably only 
uh, get fortified uh, uh, down the stretch here because they've got some UFAs that you would figure would be moving on as well. So it's um, the time isn't right now for this team, but but I think Bill Armstrong, the general manager, and his and his group are are doing a pretty good job of you know putting the building blocks in place to move this team uh, quickly uh, and and to catapult this team quickly over the next several years, and especially. Uh, uh, you know, to coincide with, with um, you know, if they get their new arena uh, all secured in Tempe. I, I did want to, I want to, I want to ask about Jack McBain, but I also want to circle back about just the idea of, you know, looking at players that are in the draft, because this is something that I often, um, you know, just kind of wonder about, like how, like, I know that this is where players come from the draft. Like this is the clearly how the system is set up, but at the same time, you know, you, you never know. Like, that's the thing that you always get into. It's like, you can get a really good draft position. And then what happens if it doesn't work out? Like, I know that the obvious answer for any team in any sport is like, well, you ax the GM or you go after your scouts or something like that. But it's, it's true. Like you can have a situation where you can not, I don't like to use the term tank, but it's like, yeah, if you're bad, you get that good draft position, you try to maximize it. But what if that doesn't work out? And then you're, you're still bad because this is, there's a lot of people who constantly tell me, Ted, they're like, Oh, you know, you want Bedard or you want player X, Y, Z. And I'm kind of like, I don't know. Like, is that always the right way to go? Like what happens if that player that you draft doesn't work out? Well, there's a lot of variables there and, and, and you're, you're hundred percent right, Ted. You know, if you, if you look back last year, everybody thought Shane Wright was going to be the consensus number one, that he was going to be a generational player. And he fell all the way down to the Seattle Kraken and, you know, including the Coyotes, you know, opting to go with Logan Cooley because they just thought it, he was better for the organization. You're drafting 18 year old kids and I think if you go back and if you look through the guide and record book and you look at everybody's draft or drafts, I should say, through the years, if you have one player that makes an impact in your lineup coming out of a draft, that's that's a pretty good draft. If you have two players that make an impact from the same draft, that's exceptional. And if you have three or more, that's almost unheard of. So there are a lot of variables. Um Personally, I would love them to move the draft back to 19 or 20 years old. And I would love for uh, kids prior to 20 years old to be able to go to the American Hockey League if they, mm -hmm. you know, if they can't make the big club, which you can't do right now. You either got to stay with the club the entire year or you got to go back to junior, which I think is just archaic. Um, but I digress. So so there's there's all sorts of situations. And, and even even if you finish with the worst record, even if you finish with, you know, the fewest points in the league you still only have a 25% chance of winning the draft lottery. So there, there's mm -hmm. all sorts of variables that go into it. Uh, I do believe, though, that when you talk to people around the league and, and, and you ask them about this upcoming crop uh, in, in the 2023 draft, uh, I think a lot of them do, you know, the consensus around the league is that it's a pretty deep draft. So, you know, whether you're drafting first, third, fourth, I, you know, I think you're going to get a pretty good player. Let's talk about a pretty good player that many are telling me is coming into his own in Jack McBain. What do you see in there? Uh, terrific player. Uh, absolutely. Like he's a big kid. He can win faceoffs and he can skate very, very well. Played for Jerry York at Boston College. And, and I, I remember prior to his first game, I, I texted Jerry and I said, who does he remind you of, of any of the players that you had? And he said, Brian Boyle. Hmm. And it's, it, it's, it's interesting that he said that because when you look at him on the ice, he, he looks a little bit like a young Brian boy, yeah. with the black hair and the thick eyebrows and all that. I think he has an opportunity to be a tremendous player. Is he going to be a third liner? Is he going to be a second liner? It's hard to say, but I think when his frame fills out, 
he's certainly going to have, you know, the, the big frame and the ability to skate and the good hands. And, and, and really, in a lot of ways, he's made a lot of good decisions on the ice, too, in my opinion, anyway. So um, he's hot coming in tonight. He's got goals in two of his last three games. Uh, he's a lot of fun to watch, and I think you're going to enjoy getting to know him on the ice. You've been around long enough to know what Eric Carlson looks like when he's at his peak, and it seems like I, I don't want to be you know hyperbolic, but he has been playing close to that peak level. Like I remember the Eric Carlson that we saw, you know, in 2017 per se, taking his team, you know, goal away from the Stanley Cup final and looking just, you know, honestly like the best player on earth. And there are times this year that he has looked like that, and you can see. And I hate to sound cliched, but I mean, it's the eye of the tiger when you watch him sometimes with the puck on his stick. What are you seeing from Eric Carlson? right now and does it remind you of what you saw previously he reminds me of the eric carlson that was in in ottawa with the senators um just a real good offensive player i mean his numbers are proving it out in terms of you know leading leading the defenseman in terms of the offensive game in the national hockey league right now i I, you know i never i I never thought that eric was a, a terrific defensive uh, uh defenseman but that's not his role so it, you know it, it really shouldn't matter um but but offensively i think he's been tremendous uh he's now a huge asset for the san jose sharks you know there there's been talk around the league will the sharks move him can they move him he's got the the big contract and he's still got term but i gotta believe that there are going to be some contenders that that will have an interest in eric carlson he he looks like he's um, you know, seven, eight, nine years younger than than what he looked like last year. And I'm happy for the player. I, I think he's uh, an exciting player. I think he is somebody that, you know, creates enthusiasm and excitement uh, with the fans. And I think it's great for San Jose. He's been a real leader for them this season, and I'm looking forward to seeing him tonight. Where, what's your take on the Sharks right now? I know, obviously, like I said, there are, um, you know, it's it's not parallel paths with where the Sharks in Arizona are specifically, but I would say that they're, you know, maybe driving on the same freeway or something to that, that effect. You know, it's like there there are similarities. There are a, a lot of things going on. And, you know, like I said, the results lately have been more promising for Arizona, which is good. Like, you want to see progress. You know, ultimately, that's what I always look for with these teams where they're, you know, on the – the Sharks don't like to use the term rebuild. I know you use the term rebuild, so I'll, I'll let you go with that precedent. But, I mean, you want to see it build in the right direction like you want to see those positive trends so i'm just you know curious looking at the sharks knowing the situation you've been looking at with arizona like what what do you see when you look at san jose well you know they don't have joe pavelski anymore but but they still have a real good group of veterans and you know i'm talking about timo meyer i'm talking about logan Couture and tomas hurdle and you know we already talked about eric carlson and you know i've always liked kevin lebank so so I think what they have is they they've got some really good veterans to bring along some of the younger kids, the Luke Cunnins of the world, the uh, um, you know the I don't know the the Gadjeviches, the mm-hmm. Redeem Shimmicks, and, and and players like that. Uh, I, I I think they're they're at an interesting crossroads, and and I think they're kind of like us in that you know they play a lot of close games, and then maybe it's just one it's, it's one play that, you know, gives, you know, changes the game. It's a bad pass that ends up a two on one, the other way. And in the back of the net, I'm, you know, I'm thinking back to, I I believe their game in Toronto a couple of weeks ago where there was a play late in the game, a a pass that was picked off and it ends up in the back of the net, you know, so, so we're a little bit like that. You know, there are times where, um, 
you know, we're an adventure in our defensive end, especially early in the year. And, and that's, that's the difference. That's the, 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 the Holy grail Ted, in my opinion, in the national hockey league is, is just the consistency. Mm-hmm. It's getting to that level of consistency, making smart plays, not, not taking the risk when you don't need to take the risk, you know, just getting the puck out of zones and regrouping. And, and, and we talk about it on our show all the time about the ability to live another day, you know, don't force it so much. And, and, yeah. and so I, I see a little bit of that with the Sharks. But again, I, I think the veterans on this team that are still here are very, very good. And they're having great years like Meyer and Couture and Hurdle. They're all they're all having very good years. And it'll be interesting to see how they match up against the Coyotes here tonight. And and maybe the most uh, important question that I'll ask you today, how are home games? Because I, when I found <laughs> out about the situation, I said to my wife, I said, we need to go to a game, I said, because that has got to be one of the best atmospheres in the NHL right now. Like, I understand it's not, you know, 18, 20,000 seats, but I said, when you get that rabbit of a fan base in a smaller venue like that, I was like, that's got to be in- insane. I was like, I-, I would love that. Just, you know, just, I think the energy would be palpable for the players. It's fantastic, Ted. And and I, um, you know, I didn't, I figured the atmosphere would be good going in. I didn't realize how good it would be, but, but when you've got a packed house every night and you've got that low roof at mullet arena and you've got the music cranked, trust me, I'm getting old, but it is cranked. Yeah. Um, it, it's just a lot of fun. Um, the ice, uh, the, the, what they did with the ice plan at mullet arena, every, every opposing team that's come in so far has had at least one or two players say that it's the fastest ice in the entire national hockey league. Um, at the one end they sell, they make, they make, uh, tickets at the one end available to ASU students at a deeply discounted rate. It's awesome. Uh, It's, it's just a lot of fun. And, and it's the atmosphere that we had been lacking in uh in glendale at gila river arena there were a lot of nights you know it, it, would you rather have 7500 or 8000 fans at 17000 seat gila river arena or would you rather have a packed house at a smaller venue so i think um you know i i think it's a great uh transitional building uh for the team to go from glendale to to tempe and then you know and then hopefully in you know, hopefully in the fall, the, the voters will approve the, the new project for the arena in Tempe. So, you know, we'll be, I would imagine we'll be there for four years, uh, you know, at, at the minimum and then get the other place built. But I, I can't think of a better, better place to be in the meantime, just because the atmosphere has been incredible. Well, no, I mean, I, it's one of those things that I kind of wondered about once I saw that atmosphere. I was like, I wonder if the NHL would be willing to do more things like this to go to some other college <laughs> arenas and play just because it, it feels like a madhouse. And I think like, you, you know, you, you take it outside and you play these stadium series games where the guys are no, the fans are nowhere near the guys on the ice. It's like, you've got the opposite happening and it seems like it creates a really cool effect. And you maybe I'm speaking out loud and this is why I'm allowed nowhere near the business end of things, but I, <laughs> I think it's really cool. And I, I wonder if they are learning something from this and thinking like, Hey, maybe this is something else that we can use as a promotional tool, but well, well, we all- you know, what, you know, can I, can I, can I tag that real quick here, Ted? Yeah, um, for sure. Th- I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Mystery Alaska. It's kind of that that fantasy movie where the New York Rangers go to Alaska and they play a a local team and it's outdoors and everything. And it, it when you when you're watching a game at Mullet, it, it it almost has a Mystery Alaska effect as far as I'm concerned because you're sitting there in this like the other night we're sitting there in this small building, 
you know, this college arena that is, by the way, state of the art. Yeah. And here comes an original stick six team, the Boston Bruins out for warm up. Like it's it's in a way it's surreal, but it's it's just been a ball. Yeah, I, I think it's really cool personally. And I think that, you know, like you, you lean into it, you make the most of it and you make it as, as awesome as an experience as it can be. And I, I think that's what I've been feeling. That's why I need to get out there for a game. But uh, Matt, I know you got to go. You got stuff to do. I look forward to seeing you here at the arena a little bit later tonight. And we'll talk then. All right. All right. Sounds great, Ted. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Enjoyed the chat. Again, a big thank you to Matt McConnell for joining us here on the Sharks Audio Network. Remember, live pregame coverage starts at 7. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yend.